I know that it is Palm Sunday. We have palms. We're doing some singing about it. But one of the things I have noticed in a lot of churches is that we sort of skip the cross in terms of our church services. Right? We have Palm Sunday. Then we come back next week and it's what? Easter. And we might have a Maundy Thursday service, but a lot of times we don't have Good Friday. And so we just sort of jump over the cross. And it's, it's a lot neater that way, right? We just skip from the happy palms to the happy Easter and we'll miss the cross. But this year I really wanted to make sure we hit the cross as a church. And so we have been looking at great prayers of the Bible. And this is our last sermon in that series of sermons. And I want to look at the words of Jesus from the cross. Now, Jesus speaks seven times from the cross in the Gospels. Okay, he says things uh, like the words to the thief, the words to Mary and John. He says, I thirst. He says, it is finished. There are three things that, that Jesus says from the cross that are directed at God the Father. Okay, he says, Father, forgive them. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And so I want to look at those three in particular today, because when Jesus is addressing God the Father, that is by definition a what? A prayer. And so I want to think about these three prayers from the cross that Jesus says. And so the first one we're going to deal with is, Father, forgive them. We're going to read it in Luke 22. Starting in verse 33. And when he came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. People stood by and watched, watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So Jesus has been beaten. He's been mocked. He's been whipped. He's had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He's had to carry his cross to the place where he's going to be crucified. In fact, he, he crumbles underneath the weight of it. Somebody has to help him carry it the rest of the way. He's been nailed to the cross. And he says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In context, does everybody hear how crazy those words are? Okay, how crazy are those words that you would say? First of all, that you would even pray to the Father. Okay, a lot of times when we suffer... Okay, when we're betrayed by somebody, when we go through all this stuff, like my inclination is not to pray. And if I am going to pray, my prayer is typically about cursing somebody else, if I'm really honest. And here's Jesus saying from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. <laughs> now listen, it's also a ridiculous statement. They know what they're doing. Who is surprised by what's happening here? Right? The Pharisees that are there, they're scoffing him. They're mocking him. The soldiers that nailed him to the cross. They know what they're doing. Like, what, is, what does Jesus mean? They don't know what they're doing. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. It's been orchestrated so that this would happen. See, they know what they're doing. What, what don't they know? They don't really know who they're doing it to. They don't really know who they're doing it to. That's the part they really don't know. And so for Jesus, in the middle of this moment of pain, of agony... 
to be able to offer forgiveness. I'm not sure there's another moment in history that compares to this moment of forgiveness and love. Okay, to look at the people that are mocking you and crucifying you and say, Father, forgive them. They they don't get it. They don't understand. (laughs) Like, honestly, have you ever been abused, taken advantage of, attacked? Was your inclination to forgive? Did you go through anything like what Jesus is going through? And yet that is his prayer in that moment. They know what they're doing. They just don't understand who they're doing it to. And he's offering this moment of of great forgiveness. But of course, that's what the cross is all about. He's there to do what? To die to forgive them. I mean, it's this great expression actually on the cross of exactly what he's there to do. I'm here to forgive even these people that are nailing me to the cross. What a true moment of really amazing Amazing grace. Now, our second prayer is probably the hardest one. Let me read it from Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. And some of the bystanders hearing it saying, this man is calling Elijah. I have always been bothered by these words. I mean, I have always struggled with these. I remember as a kid hearing them and thinking how appalling it was that Jesus would be forsaken on the cross. And somebody had told me, well, but he's being forsaken for us. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of the father ever forsaking any of us. I just didn't ever quite like that idea. I thought God was supposed to be always for us. Now, but as I started to think about these words more, I started to wonder what's going on here. For one thing, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But actually the text doesn't say that he's forsaken. Okay, doesn't actually say that in the text. What's most important to understanding these words is to understand that Jesus is quoting something. Actually, many of the words of Jesus from the cross are quotes from the Psalms. Now, this is where I'm going to challenge you here. If you have a Bible near you, you should get it out. Get out your Bible. The middle of it is Psalms. I should hear Bibles coming out. Okay? You grab a Bible. Psalm 22. If you put three fingers in your Bible and then you stick the middle finger in, you're probably in Psalms and you go to the 22nd one from there. Okay, if you have it on your phone, that's fine. Psalm 22. This is wild when you start reading this psalm. First of all, let's just notice. This psalm is attributed to David and it starts out probably in your Bible. It has some kind of intro. It says, to the choir master... According to the doe of the dawn. A lot of people see that in your Bible. I didn't even check the Pew Bible, but most of them should have that in there. Okay, you know what that is? That, that's a reference to the choir director saying what music goes with this song. So let's, let's say something really important about this song. It's a song. It's a song everybody knew. It is a very popular song, actually. This is like Jesus. What you understand is Jesus said from the cross, basically, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. 
And what everybody in their head would have said is, that saved a wretch like me. And they would have gone through this song that they knew. In fact, I wonder if this is actually just shorthand. I wonder if actually Jesus may have sung this from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And maybe the rest of the crowd starts to sing the rest of it. What gets crazy, though, is if you actually read this psalm in terms of what's going on. Let me, I'm, it's a long psalm. You've got to read it by yourself sometime. But I'll try to give you what verses as I read through parts of it. It starts out in Psalm 22. I, I want you to read this because you're not going to believe it if you're just listening to it. Okay? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Okay, that all lines up with what Jesus is saying. The author begins with crying out for feeling forsaken. Look at verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. All those who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Okay? Now wait, what's Jesus? He's, is he being, he's being mocked on the cross, isn't he? I mean, Matthew and Mark are making a big deal out of this. Mark even uses the phrase of wagging their heads. Okay, Mark is actually thinking about this, I think, when he writes his text. Now, keep going. Verse 9. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Now, who, who's at the cross? Does anybody remember? Mary. His mother is right there. And it says, he's talking about knowing God from his mother's womb. But there's no one to help him because none of the disciples are with him. Now, verse 14. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melts within my breast. My strength is dried up like potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Now think about this. Not only are they taunting Jesus, but, but he's got to be sweating. He's been bleeding. He's been dried out. Okay, my bones are out of joint. I mean, if you hung from a cross for a couple hours, what do you think would happen to a lot of your joints? Okay, my heart is like wax. Um, they've done, uh, I watched a documentary by the History Channel where they looked at the crucifixion and they looked at the description, especially of the spear with the water and the blood. And uh, they said, you know what it looks like, as a, uh, this medical professional said, it looks like Jesus had a heart aneurysm. Because that's what would happen. Is you, the water would surround it and there'd be blood. If that's true, then Jesus literally died of a broken heart. But here he is with his heart struggling like this. And he's quoting a psalm that talks about his heart melting like wax. But it gets better. Verse 16. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. If you remember, they haven't broken any of Jesus' bones. They may be out of joint, but they haven't had to break his bones. Okay? They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's in the psalm. 
And that's exactly what they're doing for Jesus, to Jesus. Now we came into this psalm wondering about this word. But, but if, if you understand, if you read the whole psalm or you sing the whole psalm, Jesus is, with this psalm, reading exactly what's going on. I mean, it's wild, the comparisons here. Now, how does the psalm end? That's a big question that we've got to deal with. Verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember the turn and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. So this is a psalm. It starts out, my God, my God, why have you, you forsaken me? And then it has all this description of how terrible life can be. That's actually very predictive of what's going on with Jesus. I mean, isn't that wild to think about all those words? But then how does the psalm end? Does the psalm end, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, the psalm is a turning. The psalm starts out, oh, it's really bad. Then it goes, oh, look how bad it is. But the psalm actually ends with hope. That no, I felt forsaken. When I went through the pain, oh, I felt forsaken. But no, God is with me. He has not forgotten. He has not hated. He has not left. So if we're going to read this, this little phrase by Jesus, we've got to read it in terms of the whole psalm. And, if he's, and, and imagine if you were sitting there at the crucifixion, and in your head you start singing along with the song, and you start looking around, and you see his pierced hands. You see his divided garments. You see all these things that are happening. But imagine that little bit of hope that maybe swells up as you finish the psalm. That maybe he is not forsaken. That maybe when we go through stuff, God hasn't abandoned us. It just feels like that at the time. And one of the things you might as well know about your faith and about life is that how you feel is not necessarily how life actually is, right? Like, great life lesson right there. Your feeling... Doesn't really matter that much. Okay? My feelings, a lot of times, are not how things actually are. They're just how I see them through my pain. When I see life through my pain, of course I feel forsaken. Of course I feel how bad things are. That's very human. And Jesus here in the midst of his pain is feeling that. He's feeling that. Why? Not for his own sin, but for ours. He is, but I don't think he is forsaken. He's, he's not saved. The Father doesn't come and, and, and take him off the cross. But of course, he, he has to finish it so that we can be saved. He has to substitute himself so that we can be spared. And I know that we all feel forsaken sometimes. It's easy to not feel like God is with you in dark times and in pain. But how you feel is not always the reality. And so in this moment of of Jesus feeling forsaken and feeling all this pain, he hearkens back to a psalm that says, no, there's a lot more 
to this story. And he has great compassion for those in the middle. So that when you're going through a lot, and when you feel like you're forsaken, Jesus knows exactly what you feel like. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. We don't, we don't worship a God who's like really far off and has never felt forsaken before, has never had pain before, never been betrayed by somebody before, never had people, a crowd turn against him before. No, we worship a God who actually knows exactly what that's like. That's the kind of God you can serve. That's kind of God really worth serving because he goes through that for you and then he also knows how to get you to the other side of it. Our final prayer comes at the end. Father, into your hands I, commend, I commit my spirit. comes from Luke 23. It says, it was now about the sixth hour. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. We always skip over that part. Can you imagine just three hours in the middle of the day dark? Everybody in town doesn't know what's going on. I mean, that's wild. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when Jesus cries out here, he probably can barely cry out. I mean, he's, he's been suffocating, fundamentally, having trouble breathing for hours now. But he has breath. He can still feel everything. He's still lucid. He knows that the end is near and he cries out. And it might not surprise you then to understand that he also here quotes a psalm. This time Psalm 31. If you've got that Bible still out, you can flip a couple pages to Psalm 31. And it begins like this. And you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Never let me be put to shame. In your, right, in, in your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take time. You, you take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. This is another amazing moment where Jesus is quoting a psalm. And if you look at the psalm, this is a psalm of, of rescue. And here's Jesus at the very end. Okay, he's, he's about to give up his last. And what he knows is now it's complete. In fact, what does he say in another gospel? It is finished. This is the end. I've done everything that I came to do. And actually, this is a great moment of relief. Of, okay, God, I've done it. I'm coming to you. It is finished. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, it's interesting. If you read that verse again, verse 5, it says, Into your hands, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Now, Jesus doesn't say that part of the verse. But of course, he's answering that part of the verse in this particular moment. As he dies on the cross, he is becoming the redeemer. He is the way in which the faithful God is redeeming. This is the moment where he is redeeming everybody. What a powerful moment then to make reference to this psalm. To understand, okay, God, I'm coming to you. But to understand that in some ways he's fulfilling 
this psalm and he breathed his last. And so we've got this prayer of forgiveness. We've got this prayer of forsakenness. And then we've got this prayer of commending his spirit. That's a great way to talk about death, I think. I don't know why the church hasn't picked up on this better. We commit our bodies to the ground. Why don't we commend our spirit to God's hand? And so in in saying these words from the cross, he's not only speaking with the Father, but he's actually helping to explain what's going on and what he's doing. Even as he goes to the cross, he understands the larger purpose of what's going on. He shows it in those verses that he is quoting. So this week is Easter, and here's my challenge to you. Read the Easter story. You might just want to pick a gospel. You can pick any one you want. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're all good. Okay, they each have a little bit different. They each include different words of Jesus, different pieces. But pick, pick, pick at least one and read it a few times this week. But also, go back and read these psalms again. Okay? I dare you, every day, to read Psalm 22. Imagine Jesus maybe singing that from the cross. And I wonder if you do, how much that will tint and guide your view of what's going on here at Easter. So may you ponder these words from the cross. May you think about the value of Jesus' death. And may you, when we come back next week for Easter... Be ready to celebrate and party. Because the story doesn't end with the death. The resurrection is coming. May God speak to you in a special way this week. Amen.